need some time alone. Cold, my rhymes will turn your mind to stone. And that's the work of Satan. Niggas be hating, but I'm a pot of gold. And this ain't just me rapping, it's really something you got to know. Catch one more nigga hating, get him a casket, that bastard about to go. Wow. One of the most brutal weeks of football I think I've ever seen with my two eyes. Uh, Andrew Scherer here with Scott Smith, as always, for the Four Downs Fantasy Football Podcast. Scott, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks go down with injuries. One out for the year and another probably looking at six weeks. So, I mean, were you just shocked with the, 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 the craziness that kind of, kind, of, um, kind of just spiraled out of control last Sunday? Look, man, it's, it's injuries and, and just quarterbacks going down left and right. You can add Sam Darnold to that with the mono, and then you look at the backups there for the Jets are, are getting hurt with Trevi and Simeon going, going down, and just, look, it, it's been brutal out there if you start adding in Andrew Luck and some of the other guys all just, like, falling and dropping like flies. So, it, you know, we talk about streaming quarterbacks a lot, but this, this might be a year where if you have two, you're solid. Yeah, it looks. It's looking like if you were the uh, Lamar Jackson um, QB one guy or something, it looks like you kind of hit the jackpot right now. So let, let's get right into it, Scott. Um, week two, crazy week. We'll start with Big Ben because that's kind of the um, that's kind of the biggest news, you know, just being the fact that he is out for the year. So he's out for the year with that um, elbow injury. Um, you know, we saw it kind of unraveled during the game. Uh, I had a chance to watch it. He didn't look good. He was holding the arm, and then he just kind of took himself out. Mason Rudolph is now the quarterback. Um, so we know Big Ben is droppable, obviously out for the year, you know, but l- let's jump right into it. James Conner didn't look too impressive last week. I don't I don't really know if that's a result of Mason Rudolph, you know, the offense kind of changing mid-game on him. Uh, he says he's good to go next week with a knee injury. Um, he's a full go next Sunday. What are you doing? What are you doing with James Conner? I mean, I know you're not dropping him, but I mean, are you less confident in him now? Is he going to be kind of an RB two the rest of the year, or you think he's got some RB one upside with Rudolph? No, I still think he's got some some running back one upside. It's just going to depend upon the matchups and, and stuff that you see. There's not a lot of data out right now as far as like trying to see what Rudolph is going to be and how this offense is going to function with him. So you just have to keep playing him in there and, you know, expect running back two numbers. He's still got some running back upside um, as far as being a running back one. I just I think you just have to keep plugging and playing him in, in your lineup because you drafted him in your first two rounds. So unless you're really, really deep, I don't see too many matchups, too many guys where you're going to go ahead and bench him. Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously this is a big blow to to the camp of Four Downs Fantasy Football Podcast. We love Juju I was drafting him in the first round over a lot of guys. Uh, Scott, how much does Juju get affected by this? He's commenting, you know, to the media. I know it's a lot of just kind of talk that he's going to say anyway, but, you know, he thinks the offense isn't going to change much. He thinks everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to run different. Thinks he has a connection with Mason Rudolph. Are you worried about Juju? Um, I mean, just, uh, you know, where are your concerns lying? So, the whole wide receiver core as a whole is going to take a little bit of adjusting. Um, I think with Juju, he, he didn't really put up great numbers through the first two weeks with uh, with Ben Roethlisberger. So I don't think you're going to see much change considering what he did put up. The person I think this is going to end up affecting the most is Dante Moncrief because you saw in preseason the connection that, that Rudolph and James Washington had, and that goes all the way back to college. So I think you're going to see a lot more deep balls 
specifically going to to James Washington within this offense. But, you know, one of the things I got asked recently here over the last day or two is what to do with, with Juju. Do we go ahead and trade him? And I think you're kind of in a, in a stuck situation where you, you're, you have to hold Juju because if you trade him at this point, you're not going to get value. You're not going to get proper value unless somebody's just super high on, on him as a, a name value player. So I, I don't know what you would actually take for Juju versus expectation. And the issue right now is, like I just talked about, we just don't have a whole lot of data to go by. There's a very small sample size of Mason Rudolph playing with this in, within this offense. So I, I think if you go ahead and, and try to get rid of Juju at this point in time, you're going to end up getting pennies on the dollar for what you paid for him. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't, I think we just got to, everyone's got to pump the brakes. I feel like, you know, it, it's, it's freak out time right now in the fantasy world. I think that's going to be obvious, but I, I'm. I think Rudolph uh, and Juju are gonna be fine. I actually like Rudolph a lot. Um, I think he was as a Saints fan. I was hoping he was gonna be targeted. I I like Mason Rudolph, and I think people need to realize he's got some upside. So hold on to Juju. Uh, don't freak out yet. Uh, I kind of agree with that sentiment. Let's go on to Drew Brees. You know, talking about the Saints right there. He's out. He's gonna be out six weeks. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. Um, he's gonna have the surgery tomorrow morning. Um, for the UCL, it's going to be a six-week recovery. He's going to come right back for Atlanta. That's what I think. I think he's going to miss these next few games. Scott, um, I guess we'll start with what you brought up. Um, you think he's droppable. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree, but I also don't necessarily agree. So kind of talk about the situations that you could find yourself dropping Drew Brees? So for me personally, on a personal level, I've had a similar injury to what Drew Brees has in, in the ligament in that thumb. And I know it took me eight eight weeks, two two months maybe, to, to kind of heal from that um, to where I could actually like legitimately grip something. So looking at how Brees is, is going to be able to grip the ball and, and them saying that, that six weeks is the estimate, I think it'll be six to eight weeks is is a reasonable time frame. And I just think over that period of time, that roster spot, that bench spot is going to be more important than what Breeze is offering by keeping him on your team, provided you don't have an IR spot in your league. Um, Andy Dalton's out there on the waiver wire right now. Um, you know, this is a waiver wire show that we normally talk about, but he's owned in 13 and 14 percent of leagues and in both Yahoo and ESPN. You know, he's performed reasonably well within the new offense there in Cincinnati. I just think when you're going to have to go out there and, you know, play a guy like him, you're probably going to have to fill some other positions and, and things as well. So if you're already down one injury and another injury hits, the, the value is just not going to be there. And look, if you play your cards right, you can go ahead and pick them up later on down the line as he's closer to coming back. I don't, I, I really just, um, so who are you, if you're dropping Drew Brees, are you draw? I mean, let's say your team right now, Scott, you got Drew Brees and your backup quarterback is Josh Allen. You're rolling with Allen, or you're dropping Drew Brees for a guy like Jacoby Brissett, Andy Dalton, or Jameis Winston? If my backup is Josh Allen, I'm just going to roll with Josh Allen, and I'm going to go ahead and, and play the the waiver wire and stream quarterbacks between. So you're going to drop Allen. Drew? You don't think Josh can get you through those six weeks? Uh, 
on a week in and week out basis, I'd rather play matchups. I mean, uh, Josh Allen has, has been solid. Uh, I think he's shown a, a definitely improvement from from last year and, and what he's doing. But but no, I would definitely play the matchups between him, Dalton, and whatever other quarterbacks out there streaming. I think you have to fall back to a to a streaming option. And uh, I mean, maybe you do keep uh, Josh Allen, you know, kind of as your primary. But if there's a better option matchup wise, I'm going to play that week in and week out. Um, and it really just depends on an individual and how their roster is built and how they strategically set up their draft. Um, you know, here in Louisiana, where I'm at, Drew Brees is overdrafted by a couple of rounds just off a of name reputation alone because he plays for the Saints here. But I, I think in most drafts, he was drafted in a, in a, at a reasonable standpoint and price point. Um, so I would imagine that he's he, he hasn't totally the acquisition cost to acquire him for most people hasn't totally you know, hamstrung them to the point where their roster isn't strong enough to to withhold this this injury and possibly dropping them. But we talk about it all the time. Late round quarterback and, and streaming quarterbacks is a, a viable strategy. So it's easy to fall back for that and and continue to do that throughout the rest of the year or at least until Drew Brees comes back. Why wouldn't you just want to stream one quarterback and then keep Brees in your roster? I just I think the upside we know the upside of Drew Brees and I just I don't know if I agree with dropping him. I are you kind of just are you basing dropping him off the fact that you're nervous that he's going to get back to where he's at? Because I, I think that I think it's six weeks and he'll be back. I think you look at this procedure, this doctor who performs at Doctor Shin out in Los Angeles, these this procedure has has regained guys 95% grip strength within six to eight weeks. Um, Trout was back in five and a half. Chris Paul was back in five and a half. I think this is an injury that. I really truly believe, I think he comes back and he's fine. Are you just wanting to drop him because you're worried about how he's going to perform? Or are you just going to drop him because you think you just might as well get rid of the roster spot? I just think he offers no upside throughout the six to eight weeks that he's gone. And I would much rather, I would much rather have somebody that's off the waiver wire, say a justice Hill or, you know, Ah, a a guy like that, that has the upside that could hit as a lottery play. So for me, the, the roster spots more valuable and I I always can fall back at the quarterback spot to a streaming option, which is completely viable. So for me, I would rather have the the roster spot as a, a lottery play for, you know, any of the guys like justice Hill, you know, Damian Harris, like different guys like that. I think I think it should be uh, kind of like a uh, drop them if you really have to. I'm holding them personally. I, we I think it's fun that we can have split opinions on this, but I'm just holding them because man, I would hate to I'd hate to run into the playoffs rolling with Josh Allen and Jacoby Brissett because that's who I'm streaming the weeks. You know, I mean, they're going to be different guys like that. It's going to be no one of big time value. I mean, we look at how Kirk Cousins is performing. Jimmy Garoppolo has been up and down. I mean, I don't know. Interesting take, but look, let, let's go to, um, oh, just really quickly, if you have an IR spot, you're using it on Drew Brees, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, if you have an IR spot, then then by all means, go ahead and use them. But, you know, I, I think you really have to look at, you know, what, what, what you have on your roster and, and how your roster is built. Is your roster built to a point where if you're 2-0 and right now, that, that you can hold them, then Go ahead and hold them, but if if you're one and one, or if you're zero and two, and you need some help, I think it's time to fall back to a streaming option and and go ahead and and try to use that that roster spot for some players that maybe can hit and help you out over the next six to eight weeks. 
All right, so the next six to eight weeks is obviously going to have an effect on Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. They are the two highest drafted position players in the Saints offense, and we saw it with Alvin. We'll start off with him, about 60 total yards on Sunday. Um, You know, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here just because uh, it's extremely hard in the NFL to adjust like that. I mean, the offense is not catered to Teddy Bridgewater, so I think it kind of that whole offense was shook. The whole team was shook. So I'm kind of wiping that performance clean, but we still need to talk about it. So Alvin Kamara, is he still kind of is he still kind of that first-round talent uh, without Drew Brees? Uh, I'm kind of in PPR leagues. I'm inclined to think he is. Scott, what's your take on that? So something that I glanced over today on Twitter. Here's your hot take that I read. Uh, Alvin Kamara is Kenyon Drake without Drew Brees. My hot take, that person should have his Twitter taken away. So it was just kind of funny to go ahead and read that. But <laughs> look, I, I don't have much confidence in Teddy Bridgewater and what I've seen thus far with him. And a lot of people point to the fact that he hasn't had much time with the first team offense. But I, I think whenever the game plan comes, they're going to have to go ahead and mitigate some of the the problems that Teddy Bridgewater has and his limitations. So I, I think overall that's going to affect Mike Thomas the most. I think Alvin Kamara will be less efficient, but I think this offense is going to end up operating strictly through Alvin Kamara, trying to get Teddy Bridgewater some short, high efficient throws to Kamara to, to kind of get him in a rhythm and get him more comfortable. I think, uh, you know, Mike Thomas kind of moves down a, a, a couple notches for me, maybe to that, that second tier of, of wide receivers. I don't think he's going to have the consistency that he has with, with Drew Brees and his accuracy. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how things go forward. You're not benching any of the guys. You're, you're not going to you know take them out of your lineup based upon a matchup or anything. So you're just at the point where you have to roll with them. And, and like I said, I would expect some efficiency numbers to go down. Um, for both Mike Thomas and, and Alvin Kamara. And it'll be interesting to see how much more involved Latavius Murray maybe gets if the Saints do try to go to, towards a more run-heavy approach while Teddy Bridgewater's in there. 10 for 89 for Mike Thomas, so still a good PPR day. Um, I, I'm of the belief, Scott, that um, this will be the first time that we've seen Teddy Bridgewater really hit the field in a new offense. I think Sean Payton's going to cater to his kind of playing style, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how the offense operates. Now, I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. I think the Saints are going to try to play a lot of dink and dunk, a lot of a lot of play action, a lot of a lot of RPO type stuff. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting offense. So, uh, you mentioned short throws. Do you think Thomas, I mean, that kind of feels like Thomas's like bread and butter right there, that short range. So, I mean, we saw Thomas catch a touchdown pass from Bridgewater last year in Week 17. We saw him connect with Teddy a lot on Sunday. I mean, is Teddy still a kind of like a must-start guy? Like, when you look at a guy like Adam Thielen right now, who would you rather start, Adam Thielen or Mike Thomas? I think you still go with Mike Thomas. I I just think that Mike Thomas' ceiling is going to be a little bit capped because, let's face it, that same offense moves up and down the field when Drew Brees is at the helm. So they're going to get in scoring position and have scoring opportunities with Teddy Bridgewater there. I just don't think that 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 team's going to be able to move the ball quite as efficiently. So for me, that's why I kind of, you know, notch him down a a peg or two or maybe a tier here and there. But, um, you know, I just... I, I think for Saints fans, we, we've talked about it for a while. How many years does Drew Brees have left? If you want to know what it's going to be like as far as life after Drew Brees, you're going to get a quick preview of these next six to eight weeks. So buckle your chin strapping and get ready because this is what it's going to be like. 
Just a reminder, Sean Payton had a week to game plan without Drew Brees a few years ago, and they almost beat the 15-1 and Panthers. So I'm confident that, that Payton will draw up a game plan that'll be interesting. But, you know, still being said, I mean, you're not benching those guys, but it is, you'd be insane to accept the same production, Scott. So I do agree that his ceiling is capped. So tough situation really quickly. Um, if you're a Jared Cook owner, um, I mean, I guess you're eating crow and you should be looking at the waiver wire at this point. Yeah, I think so. Um, and look, tight ends kind of bare. I mean, we, we talked about it. Like the Darren Wallers and TJ Hawkinsons are, are are pretty much going. You've got guys like Mark Andrews that were were later round picks that that in some leagues were were sitting out there during that first week of of, of being there. But after him exploding, there's just not much there on the waiver wire as far as like the tight end position goes. So, I mean, it, you, you may even be able to explore a trade, or you might just have to go ahead and play them. I mean, you're talking about Will Disley, the one person that I think maybe an option but it's going to be strictly touchdown dependent would be jason witten i mean jason witten's had two touchdowns he's only owned in about 17 percent of leagues so that might be an option if you are a uh a, a jared cook owner i think you could maybe look there because uh they seem to to like getting witten the ball there in the end zone all right so the chiefs now that's what we're going to go to next LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams both kind of uh, get banged up in uh, the big win over Oakland on Sunday. LaShawn McCoy, um, ankle injury, the MRI says no structural damage. So they're saying he's got a chance to play Sunday. I don't know if it's likely. I feel like if you go from getting an x-ray that is sprained and it's sprained ankle, I should say, and it's no structural damage, I feel like it might have been a serious enough injury to keep him out a week. Damian Williams with a knee injury. He escapes with a contusion. Um, so that kind of leaves him, I feel like, probable to play on Sunday. Um, man, Scott, I mean, we saw Shady look good. Damian looked good in the passing game. He didn't look good in the running game, which is kind of expected. Chiefs running backs, are you? Uh, how how are you playing this week with those running backs? Are you just kind of gonna? Is this gonna be something we're gonna keep an eye on before Sunday? Are you hitting to the waiver wire to get Darwin Thompson in preparation? What are you doing over there in Kansas City? I think Darwin Thompson could be a sneaky uh, flex play um, if you start looking at things. If he actually gets uh, playing time and, and we pay attention to what's coming out of Chiefs camp, that that looks like he's going to play. I think he could he could be a sneaky play. Um, but you got to look, man. They're playing that that Ravens defense, and while they've had two easy matchups and haven't been tested historically, that that Harbaugh defense has been pretty good, especially against the run and hard to run on. So uh, I think you can. You can look at it, and this this is probably going to be the uh, the matchup of the year so far, at least. So, like, I just think it's you're looking at Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, and it's hard not to get excited for this game in a shootout. So, uh, I think there's a lot of action, and I think it, it can be justified to to you know anybody who's got any action on any of these Chiefs players to try to get them in your lineup. So, I could possibly see sneaking a Darwin Thompson into uh, your your lineup as a flex play. Let's go to New York, where we kind of laughed on Monday night because that was a crazy game. So we talk about injuries. Sam Darnold got the mono. You mentioned that. You mentioned Trevor Simeon's ankle, like, appearing to break in half. So Luke Falk is going to be taking the reins over week three and four. Sam Darnold eyeing week five. So my question to you, Scott, is Le'Veon Bell. We're starting him. Anybody else? Robbie Anderson, Jameson Crowder? Are they just kind of sitting on the bench for you? 
Nah, I think every single Jets player is is benchable. So you you have the problem of that offensive line just being dog shit for one, and then you have a, a third string quarterback essentially. So those things just aren't going to go together. I think they're going to force feed Le'Veon Bell all the work that he can handle. I think he'll be uh, somewhat inefficient at it, even though he looked really good getting the workload. He did have a fumble late in the game that actually cost me a, a victory, but uh, I think he's going to be forced fed and expect his efficiency numbers to go down a bit because he's going to be seeing stack boxes until Luke Falk proves otherwise. Um, Robbie Anderson's a highly volatile play on a week-to-week basis. It's just going to depend upon if he can break one long for a touchdown is probably the only way he'll be usable. And I just don't see a rookie having that connection there with uh, Jamison Crowder. So I think you'll see Crowder's numbers significantly drop. So I'm pretty much staying away from all the Jets players uh, except for Le'Veon. That kind of does it for news. So let's run into kind of some takeaways slash a little bit of discussion revolving around week two. Um, Not a really big waiver wire week. We'll get to that after this portion of our show. So let's go into takeaways, Scott. Um, uh, let's start off with this. Um, I know we didn't really talk about it yet, but um, I just want to bring it up, and I know you'll you'll be happy to talk about it. Um, Antonio Brown gets force-fed. Um, man, they just kept targeting targeting him. Just it was just it was just a lot of Antonio Brown. They're trying to get him involved. Four receptions, fifty-six yards, a touchdown. He looked good. Um, there's no denying it. But I mean, still, just more sexual misconduct ac- accusations keep flowing out. Um, I just, this is a crazy situation, but um, I guess we'll stick to the football side of things. Um, did, did, did you like what you see? Do you think he's uh, got upside? You know, we talked about it and as far as Miami just being the, the spot to get him involved and kind of force feed him. Just to, There was no real threat for Miami to, to win that game. I mean, I've never seen a, a, a team go in full-on tank mode the way Miami has. So 0-16 is fully, like, I, I'm just look get get your t-shirts ready because it's gonna be 0 and 16 and shame on a team that that fails to beat Miami Dolphins this year. But I, I just think it was a spot to get him involved and this is actually gonna be a big week off the field because I think the NFL is gonna have to make a decision as to what to do whether or not to put him on an exemplist. You know, there's there's been no criminal charges uh, filed, but you have a second. Second victim that is uh, alleging sexual misconduct. So where there's smoke, there's usually some some sort of fire in some sense or fashion. So it'll be interesting to see what the NFL does. Uh, you know, this week they've already interviewed one witness, and uh, I, I think we're just going to have to see. But look, if he's on the field, he's going to be a must-start week in and week out. I think they'll have more reason to pass the ball with a better game plan, and I would expect Antonio Brown and, and that Patriots offense to continue to put up bigger and bigger numbers week in and week out as the the the, the year goes on and they actually get opponents that they'll have to play with rather than you know, just sitting there with a, a run-heavy game script week in and week out. So it'll be interesting, but look, he's a must-play, and God help us uh, if we have to talk about Antonio Brown much more as far as off the field. Uh, for the most part, Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, James White were basically invisible. Uh, Sony Michelle, 21 carries, 85 yards. Antonio Brown obviously got a lot of targets. Scott, do we think it was just a get-right game for Antonio Brown and we should not take much stock into the performances of Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, and James White? I think it's a get-acclimated game for uh... – 
for Antonio Brown. Um, I, I think you're going to continue to see basically Julian Edelman and James White worked at short to intermediate. I think Antonio Brown's going to work all over the field within this offense. And the interesting thing is Josh Gordon, who weighs upwards of 240 pounds. I think you could see him running some Gronk routes, albeit he's more athletic than Gronk. But I, I think you'll see the Patriots kind of use him in a Gronk type role and, and, and within that offense and, and just run some of the that stuff through Josh Gordon, who is going to create mismatch problems no matter who's he's matched up against. Cool. Let's go to our takeaways. Um, Scott, just um, anything, you know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of throw it to you after we mention some stuff. We can bounce a few ideas off of each other and kind of let everyone know. So let's start off with um, kind of something I want to talk about. Um, I'd like to bring it up. I mean, I, I guess this goes towards the people who drafted him? Um, so we got to see Lamar. Uh, excuse me, Lamar Jackson. We got to see Kyler Murray um, play a defense who we expect to be very good. I think it's fair to say that we expect the Ravens to be a top defense, at least when it comes to NFL, not in fantasy. He looked good. Um, you know, targeting Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, they were all over the field. Um, I mean, the only I think the only issue at this point is why isn't Cliff Kingsbury going for it on fourth down? They just keep kicking field goals, but. Kyler Murray, man, he's throwing the football well against two decent defenses, I should say. I mean, this is a Lions defense who just kind of shut down Phillip Rivers. So, yeah, are you kind of impressed with Kyler Murray? I know a lot of team, a lot of teams drafted him as their second quarterback with upside, maybe a few of their leagues. You know, he's their starting quarterback. But are you kind of uh, happy with what you're seeing out of Kyler? Yeah, you know, I, th- I think everybody was so high on Kyler Murray going into – to draft season and then once the preseason hit i think people overreacted a, a bit towards uh what they saw in in one of the preseason games and the truth was probably somewhere in the middle i think he's going to continue to to get better and as the season goes on but i'm very impressed with uh how both he and Lyre fitzgerald have connected and, and fitz looks a little bit rejuvenated he's made some killer diving catches so right now in ppr leagues larry fitzgerald's the wide receiver 15 i love seeing it out of him he's one of my favorite players uh, across you know fantasy football throughout the years and, and just throughout the nfl in, in general but you know larry fitzgerald's looking looking good as far as targets he's so 24 targets you know 13 receptions 217 yards and a touchdown so if kyler murray can continue making uh you know, Larry Fitzgerald, a, a top 24 guy, then you're getting your money out of these some of these Cardinal players. And, it, you know, it's interesting to see. Like, I think Kirk's playing pretty well. You're a little bit higher on Kirk than what I am, but he's getting the volume as well. So you're talking about another 20 targets there. He hadn't found the end zone yet, but he's caught half of the targets, 146 yards. So when you have a quarterback that's, uh, you know, supporting legitimately two top 30 receivers i think you have to be impressed with what he's doing as a rookie let's go to something you want to talk about scott anything you kind of want to um bring to light and discuss yeah you know last week on on our waiver wire show two of the people that we kind of hit on was was two rookie rod receivers and uh that was marquise brown and terry mclaurin and i think both of them going going forward there in, in week two you, you saw a continuation while Marquise Brown got more playing time is his ankle is in foot like getting better. You know, he, he had a pretty nice game and stayed part of that. So that's one of the things that I'm looking to, to see move forward here. Um, I, I expected McLaurin 
Terry McLaurin to to move forward because of the the snap counts and, and playing ninety three percent of the snaps there. But it, it was a little up in the air as to how Marquise Brown was going to be able to move forward, considering he only played twelve snaps. But you look at that week two game; he had thirteen targets against Arizona, eight receptions for eighty six yards. You know that's that's perfectly fine as a as a wide receiver too, and and that's somebody you just plucked off of the waiver wire if you listened. So and then for the Redskins. Terry McLaurin, they're force feeding Terry McLaurin the ball. Like he, for a lack of the other talent that they have, uh, you know, he's their wide receiver one. Late at the end of the game, he he ended up getting a kind of a garbage time touchdown. But over two weeks, he's got 16 targets, 10 receptions, 187 yards, and two touchdowns. And the big takeaway I have with McLaurin is is specifically how they're using him. They are taking deep shots with him, you know, trying to get him the air yards. And and so I think he's going to be, you know, a, a legitimate fantasy option moving forward, especially when he's getting some of these deep balls. I think he's, you know, has a good chance of breaking in, breaking in one for a long touchdown every week. Do you think this might be crazy to think? Um, I have a lot of McLaurin too. I know we loved him. Do you think his ceiling heightens when we see uh, um, Haskins? Because I feel like Haskins is coming, and I like I feel like Haskins is going to be better. And I think he's got a connection with McLaurin. So do you think McLaurin has even a higher ceiling with Dwayne Haskins, and it could really kind of cement McLaurin as a good fantasy option? You know, I don't know. I think. I think Haskins will end up looking for him maybe a little bit more than what Case Keenum has, but I really don't think Case Keenum's played badly. The offensive no, line he hasn't. Been, the offensive line's been horrible. The the defensive secondary for the Redskins is, are giving up deep balls week in and week out, and I, I just I think that's an offense that's going to be passing the ball a lot. I mean, I, I don't think they can really rely on on the running game with Adrian Peterson and, and offensive line kind of being a mess right now. So I, I just think in general that that offense is going to be passing, and it, it's it's not going to be long here until we see Dwayne Haskins, and I just don't see much drop off from him and in, in, in Case Keenum. And I think you're right. I think Terry McLaurin could end up seeing, you know, a, a higher ceiling once Haskins comes because I think Haskins is just going to be a little bit more comfortable with him than say Paul Richardson or Troy Quinn. So you're going to continue to see Terry McLaurin be a viable fantasy option moving forward for the rest of the season. Let's go to some. I want to talk about Joe Mixon. Um... I don't know if my friend listens to this podcast, but I got anonymous text messages today asking a standard league, 10 teams, if they should drop Joe Mixon. So people are frustrated with Joe Mixon, 11 carries, 17 yards. He added like three catches for 10 yards. Um, it was a blowout loss, though. Uh, so I know the Bengals trying to throw the ball a little bit more. Um, how concerned are you with Joe Mixon, Scott? Are you worried that, you know, the offense is going to be chasing points and it's going to be like the Tyler Boyd, John Ross, A.J. Green show when he gets back or... What are you kind of thinking with Joe Mixon? Because he obviously is not impressing, but he did look really good last year for most of the year. So I, I think the, uh, the the chance is there for him to be good. There's no way that you drop Joe Mixon. It, well, yeah, no, just, no. Okay, there's no. just not. <laughs> I mean, you, you are in a position where you have to, to really think about, you know, maybe benching him. Like if you've got a, a guy in, in the middle rounds, like – you got to think about I just think he's hurt right now I don't think he's he's fully healthy I think you know he gritted through it went out there and and played this this week but uh, I think you know next week you know matchup dependent if if you have 
you know, other good options. If you have a, a Matt Breda and some of these other guys, I, I think you go ahead and play, you know, those type of guys over him until you see that, that Mixon's a hundred percent healthy. If you miss out on a touchdown, you know, for the week, then so be it. But I, I think it's better at this point in time to play things somewhat cautiously based upon what we've seen through the first two weeks until we know that Joe Mixon's fully healthy. What is next, Scott? I know there's something on your mind. I, I, I got to hear it so we can talk about it. Yeah, I think uh, we got to look at some of these quarterbacks that are playing. I think you had some concern. You talked about it before we uh, we got on air, but you've had some concern about Jared Goff. And so uh, I'm not quite so concerned, but at the same time, we, we discussed it. The teams that I have Goff on, I, I have Brady, I have Matt Ryan, I have some other guys. So I haven't necessarily been forced to play them, but I know he's gotten you a, a couple of L's. And so I want to hear you know, what your big concerns are considering that I don't think Todd Gurley's looked quite what we expected him to. It looks like there, there may be some, some significant, you know, wear and tear on him. He may never be that, that top two or three running back in the league again. And, and we talk about the, the three wide receivers they have there and, and Cooper cup looked great against the saints. So you add in Robert Woods and, and Brandon cooks, and he's still got three viable top 24 wide receivers. So, uh, it's interesting for me that you kind of sound like you're a little bit shaky on Jared Goff, like you're you're not necessarily panicked, but not necessarily all aboard that boat. Yeah, I'm worried that I, I I'm worried that the NFL is figuring out Sean McVay. That that's my concern. I um I, I think man, I I'm a big Sean Payton stan. I love Sean Payton. I think it'd be stupid to say that McVay is not a not a smarter offensive mind. I think what we saw out of McVay last year was was just straight up genius. But I'm just worried, man. I, I mean, look, Saints defense is not terrible. They're not great either. But man, they blew up a lot of screens. They blew up a lot of plays, and that offense did not just it. It didn't look good to me. I my kind of thought is, you know, you kind of talked me into it. I really I really came around on golf to where towards the end of end of the draft season, I was getting a lot of golf. I have a good bit of golf. And I kind of bought into this fact that, okay, maybe the Todd Gurley injury was bullshit. Maybe the offense is going to come out firing. You know, we're going to see a lot from Goff. I had three of those wide receivers ranked as 20, top 24 guys, and now I'm just I'm just not I'm just not seeing it. I, I mean, I liked Cooper Cup more than Woods. Um, I'm still there. I think I had Cooks over Cup. Um, but, I mean, man, Cooks look one-dimensional. Uh, it just – I don't know. I'm worried about the offense. Um, I'm worried that, that the Rams are just starting to get too predictable. I mean, I just – they beat the Saints by 18, but they did not beat them by 18. They didn't even really look good. I think if Drew Brees plays that game and it's healthy, I think the Saints might have won that game. I just, I didn't like what I saw out of that offense. Um, I also didn't like what I saw at the offensive line. I think the offensive line looked weak as well. Um, so I'm just nervous about Jared Goff. I'm just nervous that it, he's been figured out, and it's just, that's kind of my concern. But look, I guess, you know, a lot of your James Goff draft, you know, draft stock came as a backup quarterback. So at least you have, you might have another guy to, to start ahead of him. Um, do you kind of relay those concerns? Do you think it's possible that that offense is going to get taken down a notch because they've been figured out? Because, I mean, look, Goff was a 4,700-yard guy last year, and he is not going to be that again. And if you look at these last eight games, including playoffs, I mean, half a year, he's he's not looked good at all. My concern, or basically my question is, 
you look at the numbers from the Saints game, I can understand being concerned with what you saw maybe against Carolina. He did look shaky against Carolina, but 19 for 28, 67.9% completion percentage, 283 yards, one touchdown passing. He had very easily could have had two touchdowns passing. They overturned the, the Cooper Cup touchdown that was – they said it was short by by inches, but he went ahead and punched the next one in on a on a quarterback sneak. I, I just don't know what more it is that that you want, you know. And it, it's possible. I, I think the Saints' defensive line is is better than what people are giving them credit for. Uh, you see Hendrickson coming in and starting to 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 you know rush the passer better than what what Davenport is. But I think people underrate the Saints' defensive line. And I think that's where some pressures are going are coming from. Now their offensive line, you know, Andrew Whitworth is older. They they have Joseph Notebloom out there instead of Roger Saffold, and you know they they did lose a little bit on offensive line. I don't think it's as good as what it was last year, but I still I look at the Jared Goff and the Rams schedule. I get to see Arizona two times. Seattle's defense has, has not impressed me over the two games. You you saw Cincinnati, you know, get over on them as well. So that's another two games. And, and then the 49ers are, are a little bit improved. They had a good showing there on uh, Sunday. But, but look, that's four games that I, I'm looking forward to. So I'm not necessarily concerned that, that they figured out McVay or anything like that. I just, I think you're, uh, you're just getting scared off way too soon. And, and, and being scared away by by what I don't know. I just look the the Carolina and the Saints are, are two formidable matchups in Week One and Week Two, and I just think the the matchups are going to get better from here. And I think golf will continue to put up top ten quarterback numbers. No, I mean I, I hope so. I mean I, I I definitely have enough stock in him to have to start him, but I just I don't know. Take away which it was a it was a beautiful throw, but take away you know. Lattimore getting torched on a 57-yard Brandon Cooks catch over the top, and then Cooper Cup on a simple slant route that he kind of willed his way 66 yards down the field. So I don't know. Just some concerns are there. Um, and I say Jared Goff, I basically mean Sean McVay, because Sean McVay is Jared Goff's quarterback. He's basically like the the, the quarterback, because Cooper, I mean, Goff, oh my God, you take, take him away from McVay, I don't think he's anything. But besides the point, no, I, I mean, look, I mean, if you have a lot of Jared Goff, you know, you, you should be fine. I know you have a lot of golf mixed with Brady and stuff. So I think there's a lot of guys you can really get by with. Um, I wanted to talk about a little bit about um, George Kittle, Scott. Um, you know, we're seeing um, Debo Samuel get involved. We're really seeing the run game just explode out in San Francisco. Like, it almost looks like an entirely new team. I mean, you look at Kyle Shanahan, you expect a lot of passing. And now it's a lot of running. So... George Kittle, uh, there's talk that people think that it was discussed over the offseason that his role was going to change with the team, not kind of be what he was last year as kind of that top receiving threat. Are you worried about George Kittle? I mean, obviously, tight end sucks. He's going to be a top tight end. But, you know, we had George Kittle as a tight end, too, this year. I'm not too sure that he's going to put up top top uh, two tight end numbers. Look, I, I'm not concerned. I, I think you, you start looking at that game, and, and that game got a little bit out of hand with uh, the 49ers kind of pulling away. But you, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for what the target volume is. So week one, he had 10 targets when the, when the game was closer, and I, I just think it's a it's an off week for him. Um, and in an off week, he caught all three of his targets for 54 yards. So if you add a touchdown in there, I, you know, it, it looks – 
a lot different of a box score. He's still right now a, a tight end eight. I just I don't know what you're really like panicking about. Like if you drafted him, you probably got Kittle in the third third round, maybe late second. Um, I mean, you you have no other options if you drafted Kittle that early. So uh, you're going to continue to to go ahead and do it. I'm just you know I, I just think it was a blowout beat down of Cincinnati so it wasn't necessarily needed he was a guy that was you know heavily used uh you know last year and I just think you start looking at that that box score and look they had no problem running the ball against the Bengals defense so they just relied on the run game and and, you know despite the that week I I think he's going to continue to be a tight end one I, I still have a lot of confidence and faith that he'll end up finishing as a top two or three tight end this year Anything else, Scott, that you want to discuss? I feel like we're kind of knocking it all out. John fucking Ross is the wide receiver one in fantasy football. In all of fantasy football? So he's finishing wide receiver one? Yes, he's the wide receiver one in PPR leagues of fantasy football. I don't know how you mitigate that as something that's actually happening right now. Wait, so, okay, so we're we're going to re... re, uh... Rebring this back up. Let me just re-verify what you're saying. You're saying John Ross will finish as a top 12 wide receiver this year? No, I'm saying he is the wide receiver one in fantasy scoring through two weeks of football. Holy shit, okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> for a second I thought you were saying like John fucking Ross is going to remain wide receiver one in fantasy football. <laughs> That's what I thought you were saying. No, I mean, I mean 20 targets... 11 receptions, 270 yards, and, and three touchdowns. Uh, I mean, I, look, I, I, my best friend, we play in a league, and he's struggling for wide receiver help. And, you know, we're, we're discussing it last week. I was like, go ahead and pick up John Ross and think that he's going to continue to do what he did in week one. He's, he's like, oh, he's got the pedigree. He's this, he's that. And I was like laughing about it. And here I am, week two, eating crow. John Ross has outscored. Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham, Keenan Allen, you know, just the list goes on down the line. Like, nobody saw this coming, and I just, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Do you, um, I, I was actually posed this question. I, you know, we get a lot of, if you ever feel like asking us fancy questions, our Twitter DMs and our Twitter is open. So I got posed a question. I, I got a buddy who plays in those um, kind of best ball leagues, touchdown premium leagues. He's looking at John Ross on the waiver wire still. So he put, posed the question to me. He was thinking about dro- uh, dropping Tyrell Williams for John Ross. So I kind of thought about it. Here's my concern, and I just want to relate this to you. I'm not necessarily saying Tyrell Williams or John Ross in best ball, but I'm asking do you think when A.J. Green comes back, John Ross is going to have this role? Because I don't think so. I think Tyler Boyd looks elite, and I think we know A.J. Green is elite. So if we know that A.J. Green stays on the field, I think he's going to get his. So, I mean, what happens when A.J. comes back? I mean, John Ross will be the third target in that offense, correct? I absolutely think so. Some people seem to think that A.J. Green is is on borrowed time and that he's just not going to come back the same. Look, if I have John Ross or if John Ross is available on your waiver wire still, I think you go pick him up and try to get whatever you can for him. I, I just think there's no way that he's going to be able to continue the, the run that he has. And look, I could be absolutely wrong. You know, he, he could... 
he could go ahead and, and, and do what he's, he's doing. I'm just betting against it. I, I don't see it happening. I think uh, you can definitely see a, a scenario with A.J. Green coming back, with, with Tyler Boyd, Boyd being more involved in, in, in the game plan. And I, I just think there's, there's a scenario where, where John Ross takes a back seat that we just discussed. Whereas when, whenever you have a Tyrell Williams, who's going to take away his targets? The only thing that's going to take away his volume and his place within that offense is going to be an injury. So uh, under that scenario, I, I'm definitely – and look, if you're the guy that has John Ross and, and you're flying high right now, Tyrell Williams is definitely a guy I would target and be like, hey, you want to trade? I, I'll take Tyrell Williams for John Ross. I mean, you're, you're getting uh, you know a guy that you just got off the waiver wire – and I'm I'm just more confident in Tyrell Williams' place within that Raiders offense than I am with with John Ross continuing the the tear that he's on. Let's go into waiver wire, Scott. Um, I don't think we have too much more to add. Um, it's a weird week. It's a boring week. Um, I feel like week one always has a waiver wire run every single year, and then I feel like that usually is followed up week two as well. But man, there's just not much out there. Um, I like DJ Chark a lot. Uh, you mentioned 13% of leagues he's owned in, so 87% of leagues he should be available in. So, I mean, where do you want to go with this, Scott? Who Who is kind of, if you had to pick a guy and, you know, is it Demarcus Robinson? Is it DJ Chark? Who's your, who's your top waiver wire look this week? For me, it's Raheem Mostert, um, if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Um, <laughs> Look, you, you look at the game that he, he just had this week, and they, they used him, and, and he looked good in the preseason as well. So 151 total yards against uh, the Bengals. He actually outsnapped Matt Breda, even though Matt Breda still uh, you know rushed the ball well. But he had a touchdown. So overall, PPR leagues, 24.1 points. Um, I think he was the number three running back on the week. Um, his college profile does not look bad. He's a little bit undersized, um, 186 pounds. Um, but look in college, 5.7 yards per carry. He was a 77th percentile spark athlete, ran a 4.42, which was 96th percentile amongst running backs. Burst score 134, 96th percentile. So I, I think the profile is there. Also, the history of the Shanahan offense and and, and how running backs go ahead and play. I think he's an interesting play as a flex option off the waiver wire until Tevin Coleman comes back. If you continue to see the splits of how they're divvying things up between Breda and, and Mostert right now, I think uh, he's somebody I'm comfortable with targeting off the waiver wire, and I'd be happy to, to throw in a lineup if I'm struggling at running back. To Marcus Robinson, does his value become non-existent when Tyreek Hill's back in six to eight weeks? Absolutely. But uh, you have to to really hope that that Hill's going to be back. But I mean, you also saw Miko Hardman, who actually had a, a second touchdown call back due, due to a penalty, which was like a 70 something yard touchdown. So but look, he, he caught all six targets this week. He had some some nice down the field contested catches where where he just looked dynamic as a, as a wide receiver. And look, we talk about this offense and, and it just seems like everything Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes touches, you know, turns to gold in week one. It was Sammy Watkins with the huge game here in week two. You're talking about Demarcus Robinson. For me, if you're playing in a league that, that has fab and you want to go ahead and, and take a stab, I would recommend, you know, look, if you're in a hundred dollar fab league, 
10% of your budget at a dollar just to outbid maybe the other person that does bid 10. But I, I think that's about the range that I'd be looking for Demarcus Robinson uh, off of the waiver wire this week. DJ Chark, um, I didn't like him as much as McLaurin last week, but I did like him last week. I mentioned it. I think he's got a connection with Gardner Minshew. Um, it's a shame because we probably both have a lot of D.D. Westbrook stock, so it kind of sucks to see that withering away. But D.J. Shark, it appears like uh, him and Gardner have something going on. Yeah, I think Gardner Minshew is is a legitimate, viable you know, backup quarterback. I don't think this this offense is just going to whittle away you know, you know, behind him. Um, you know, we talked about Leonard Fournette as well. He, he's had, you know, average six targets over the first two weeks. So that that's something I like. I think that'll continue to to go forward. I would actually look if you could get Fournette for cheap and, and trade, maybe go after him. But definitely Minshew seems to have eyes for for DJ Tark. And, and DJ Tark had a, a, a nice career there in college at, at LSU. But look, right now he's owned in 13% of Yahoo leagues, 22% of ESPN leagues. So he's definitely a guy that's out there on the waiver wire right now that's been putting up numbers and, and getting the volume that you're, you're kind of looking for. So, uh, you know, I, I think you can definitely go ahead and, and target him off the waiver wire if, if you're wide receiver needy right now. Uh, rest in peace, in peace, Dante Pettis. So he's gone. So Debo Samuel, is he the guy to own? And should we take an early stab at Debo now? Because I feel like he's not really going to get picked up this week. He might have one more game, and then he's going to be a top waiver wire ad. So should guys target Debo this week, maybe if they miss out on DeMarcus or DJ Chark? Look, I like the SEC pedigree, um, you know, that Debo Samuel brought to the table. And, and Whenever you were hearing negative things about Dante Pettis during the training camp and preseason, Debo Samuel was the name that was kind of floating up the the, the depth charts there that that you were hearing was having a good camp and was a little bit more dynamic. I think he fits that that slot role and the yards after catch kind of kind of just player that you're 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 maybe looking for. He's five eleven, two hundred and fourteen pounds, so he's got a good build there. But I, I think he's gonna be that guy that that has the upside and ceiling within this offense after Kittle um within that receiving core. So uh, look, we're, we're talking ownership, fourteen percent in Yahoo and thirteen percent in ESPN. So he's right along the lines there of, of DJ Tark. So maybe if uh if you're interested in DJ Tark, uh I think you can also put in a, a, a claim for, for Debo Samuel as well. And if you miss out on one, you may be able to get the other. Anybody else you're eyeing, Scott, maybe as an early ad? <sighs> I mean, dude, it, it's it's rough. There's definitely a, a scrap heap out there. Um, I'm kind of staying away from, from many of these quarterbacks. Uh, there's... There's nothing really impressed me about Rudolph or Bridgewater that I would go after them. But we talked about James Conner and, you know, him being a little bit banged up right now, which you're going to see. And and Jalen Samuels is floating around out there, only about 30 percent owned in league. So I think you can definitely go ahead and and take a stab at him. And the interesting name that you're seeing is Frank Gore. So Devin Singletary got a little bit banged up. Um, you know, Frank Gore is still still getting some carries and some some volume. I think uh, you know he could be a, a good a, a good play this week if you you need to go pick somebody up off of the waiver wire. You know, not great numbers on the season by by any means, but I, I think uh, you know he's definitely an option if you just need somebody who's going to get some carries. I think Frank Gore's up there as well. Whew, man, I just I feel like. <laughs> 
I feel like we're like underdoing our job here, but I just, man, there's just not a lot to talk about waiver wire wise, is there? You know, one other person I, I, I there throw we go. out there is Golden <laughs> Tate. You know, we, we didn't really hit on on Daniel Jones being named starter over Eli Manning today. That was the other big news. But I think that drastically uh, affects the uh, the Giants players. And, and Golden Tate's a guy who's only about 40% owned throughout leagues, 35% on Yahoo and, and just over right at 48% on, on ESPN. So kind of a 50-50 shot that you can get him if you're in ESPN leagues, a little bit higher percentage there in, in Yahoo. But, you know, we're week three. He's working on a four-game suspension. So maybe he's a target that you go ahead and, and get, especially if you're in PPR leagues looking for volume. They, they've got, you know, Sterling Shepard over there dealing with concussion-like symptoms. And, and I think this offense is is just going to be able to do more with Daniel Jones at the helm. He offers more from an athletic standpoint of being able to 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 get some off target throws and move outside of the pocket and game plan a little bit more that uh just things that Eli can't do anymore. And he looked good in the preseason. So Danny Dimes name the starter. I think Golden Tate, if he's floating out there on a waiver wire, maybe be proactive if you need some wide receiver help. He's not necessarily going to help you for the next two weeks, but. But, hey, I think you can go ahead and stash him if you're really weak at wide receiver. Might as well talk about it just because um, we forgot to mention it. Cam Newton. Um, so the report is apparently he basically told the team that he re-aggravated his foot, stra- uh, foot sprain. And then that's really it. Like, that's all he told a beat writer. And he just never showed up today. Didn't do a presser. I mean... One source is reporting that he's taking time away from football. It's this is it's some crazy shit going on in Carolina. So, ah uh, man, um, number one, are you dropping Cam Newton? And number two, man, this sucks for DJ Moore because I think he looked awesome. Yeah, we talked about it, and uh, I hit on it last week that I didn't think it was a shoulder issue. I really thought that he just couldn't move around because of the foot or the ankle. So, you know, with that report coming out, it, it makes sense based upon what I saw out of the game and, and the way he played. Um, with that being said, I, I don't think I don't think Cam offers a hell of a lot as just a strictly a, a pocket passer. So, you know, them having somebody else come in, I, I don't know that it's going to hurt the offense quite as much. I would expect uh, a lot of the offense to get run through uh, Christian McCaffrey, but that's that's you know the same whether Cam's in there or not. Um, I think it's going to end up affecting Curtis Samuel a little bit more. He tends to run a little more high-risk routes deeper down the field, and I think DJ Moore will continue to work that that middle of the field and and kind of get things going with some yards after the catch. And I think they'll scheme scheme him into the offense and, and try to try to funnel most of the offense through him because I think he just does a better job of getting open. He's Scott Smith, um, at SSmithFF on Twitter. I'm Andrew WXXV. That's where you can find me. So, look, good luck on the waiver wires, guys. Uh, we're going to hit you up later this week and give you kind of our start sit advice for week three. So you cannot go 0-3 like me in some league. So, have a good rest of your week, guys. See you on Thursday. Fire marshals moving in. Marshmallows inside my pen. Sweet 16s. Got a sweet 16 and a deadlier than saying I'm so appalled. I'm the prototype with a godly protocol. You're an amateur. They want a protocol. I damage your on camera. And Compton and Canada. I don't care where you are. Just blink twice and I'm there with you.
you are like a shadow in the dark. You're a paddle in a boat in an ocean full of sharks, but to come up short. Water in the pot, flow crack rock like bam bam, nigga. Have two grams, nigga. Pay your pump, blam blam, nigga. Had a black camera, but the dipset killer cam, nigga. Had a been around with killers, kept sweeping around shit, but your mama and your bitch. Jumped off the porch when I was like six. Uncle Bobby got the house ready back in our six. Kick in the dough, Kate Nas all in the kitchen way before I even heard of Mike Vick. Mama in the bathroom, poppy at work. Happened on a Sunday, we should've went to church. Look at my shirt, polo on it. It's gonna sell, lift my logo on it. I feel no on it. A demon come near and I might throw a spirit at the omen. You looking at the 2010 Romans, Empire, high power, HP, in your face like HD, and I spit like an HK, I'm a shot like an H3, H-U-B-C-I-T-Y-A-D-N-Y-G, problem in hoodie, nigga, tell the government come shoot me, nigga, cause I'm going out with a fist raised and a fist full of money, give it to the fifth grade, drink a fifth of Hennessy and then take another fade with a democratic politician from CA, they don't want to see A-B-L-A-C-K, making some scratch like a Hall of Fame DJ, give us some free J's, put us in the PJs, now we in the county jail calling for a three-way, goddamn y'all cold, mark of the beast, where your goddamn bar cold, stuck in the street where it's dark like Harpo, black man, tell me where your goddamn heart go, although I'm in the land of milk and honey, nobody never gave me shit, when I got my first chain, all the niggas tried to take it from it, I had to fight back and shit, get it back and shit, and you rap niggas looking funny, trying to talk back and shit, like he back that shit, acting like you real or something, nigga ain't pop no steel, ain't pop no collar, go pop some pills or something, you trying real hard to appeal to something, I'm being myself, my BFF is a BMW, with your BM in it, and a stash bus club, and a medicine, a doctor give a nigga won't help, I'm at a limit where I be amazing myself, I better finish on a level with a black belt, I better end it where every rapper get killed, like blah, 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 where the knife at, cut, 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 where your life at, career's over, he slumped over, and if I'm off beat, no, I'm unsober, that's a new flow, Plus, plus Q gave me some cushions, some nouveau, new dough for the new year. And I sumo on a rap peer, not a rapper. I'm a raptor, that's a T Rex and a V neck for the rapture. I'm a factor, and your facial, I'm a fracture to a fraction of one half. And I hate math and pastors like Eddie Lone, fucking Mighty Gold, take me Mighty Lone to get here. Nigga, told you I was gonna fall off Q. You record, you got that shit? Suck on my dick, do not. <laughs> <laughs> no, whoa.